Good evening, primetime partiers. It's primetime party time. Welcome back to our all things media and entertainment live on the air at 9 p.m. at ptptshow.com and on your time wherever you stream podcasts. Tonight, we are going to feature a friend of the show, Eric, to do a deep dive and most likely a nonstop rave on Shit's Creek. If you've been a listener from the beginning, you know that I've been trying tirelessly to peer pressure Daniel to be a devoted fan to this show. So, warmest regards and best wishes to our audience as we rock and roll into our shit show. Tracy's <laughs> words are true. Uh, I, th- I honestly, I think it was the first episode of Primetime Party Time that we yeah. mentioned uh, the, necess- the necessity of watching Shit's Creek. And uh, while I couldn't get through the entire series, we actually have a fan on today, uh, someone I'm very excited to introduce. Eric, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, you know, before we get into Shit's Creek, uh, you know, as, as we always do week in, week out here at Primetime Party Time, uh, Tracy, what are you hosting, or what are you, you're hosting this, what are you toasting to, what are you roasting to this week? As a host with a toast and a roast... I will say that my toast is I got back into the music scene for the first time since COVID. So that was fun. Did a first gig for the first time in a long time. So definitely is one of those things where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing things in front of other humans again. That's that's wild. <laughs> it was very outsidey and I'm very vaccinated. So it felt good. Um, but yeah, that was that was fun. And the other, my, my other toast is that my dog was going through a little bit of a health spill and she is back on her feet. So that is really nice though. However, I do have a roast about that. A roast of many things, really, because I had to go through many laundry loads and cleaning products. But main thing is that uh, my day job is a lot about editing and you know where it's not nice to have typos on? The medicine amounts for your dog. Whoa, what? <laughs> so that was an interesting situation. Yeah, it was honestly just a human error. They gave me some notes, had the correct amount, but the uh, medicine bottle had half of the amount that she was supposed to get. So she had a day where she was feeling less good. And I talked to my regular vet and they were like, that's weird. For a dog of your weight, we would give them twice the amount. And that ended up being the case. That definitely helped her get on the road to recovery. So all's well that ends well. And I was very close to being like, <clears throat> part of me wants to charge the person who did this error for the secondary vet visit I needed to do. <laughs> but I took the high road and I was like, we're just going to have to just gonna have to paddle along <laughs> and yeah. be happy that things ended well but it does it is a personal pet peeve of mine and then it's an even worse peeve when it actually has consequences other than just annoying me so that was my roast but mostly a toast mostly a toasty week i would say very good yeah yeah how is your what is your toast and roast for this week daniel oh. uh you know mostly a toast as well uh, I went and I saw uh, Nathan Sawaya's, I don't really know how to pronounce his last name, uh, and I should at this point, uh, but his Art of the Brick exhibit is at the California mm-hmm. Science Center right now, and I think it's been kind of, it's probably been touring around for a while. I know that it started in New York, and it's featured in 2014's 
Beyond the Brick, a Lego brickumentary. It is a full-blown Lego art exhibit. Uh, he's actually recreated That's a lot cool. of like classic pieces of art uh, and, and done some of his other installations. And uh, yeah, it, it's a really, really fun, great exhibit. Uh, it's, a, it, it's a blast. Um, his part in the documentary is also a blast. Uh, it's, it's worth seeing along with everything else at the California Science Center. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I got into, you know, a little bit of, uh, Lego building early pandemic, but the problem is you have to keep the sets and I don't want to keep the sets. I like the little puzzle, you know, parts, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, as far as that goes, uh, no real public roasts though. Uh, editorial error seems like a noble one. <laughs> I'll join you in that. Uh, and, and I'll just kind of piggyback off that for mine. Uh, Eric, are you toasting to, or are you roasting to anything this week? Yeah. I do have a roast. I am learning how to sail. That's a roast? Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's I'm, a little bit of a toast as well. That's like a nice, noble skill. Did I say roast? I, I meant toast. <laughs> sounds like all the toast. <laughs> I mean, it is definitely a toast. I mean, I'm living out here in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, which is actually the sailing capital of the world, if you didn't know, like I, I, I did didn't. not know until I started living out here. And it's kind of a thing to do. So, yeah, the kind of the small 22 foot boats, um, no motor. So like you have to work the sails and the tiller and a bunch of other um, sailing terminology that I don't remember. Um, but like you, you have to learn how to, yeah, you have to gain the wind, learn the weather, watch out for other boats because oh. surprisingly, even though it looks like a lot of sea to navigate through, there are a lot of situations where you can run into someone. So yeah, learning how to do that, and while well, I'm here on the podcast, so it's been going fine so far. That's cool. Um, and I don't really have a roast, just kind of chilling right now. You know, working from home, like most of us still, even though COVID, we're starting to get back into things. So yeah, just chilling. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I have only been to Providence, Rhode Island, and it was very brief, mostly to look at, I think... I just walked around and then I also thought like RISD was a real hoot. So <laughs> they got a fun mascot. <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty, it's pretty cool out here. So yeah, it's like yeah. a kind of funky area from what I've seen. Mm. Like it's a little mix of like that new England classic architecture, but then it can also be very like bohemian in some ways. That's kind of the vibe I got from specifically Providence. I don't know if that's how it is in Newport as well. Yeah, it's pretty similar out in Newport, but out here, here from like 100 years ago, that's where all the wealthy would build all their mansions out here. Ah. So there's Bellevue Avenue, which is essentially a street with a bunch of mansions on it. So there are mansion tours because the Preservation Society out here um, kind of got a lot of those old mansions. So you can go through them and they're very, very cool that is to cool. walk through. So. Yeah, reminds yeah. me of like totally different than uh, Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a bit. Say yes, so myself. we don't have that much history or anything like that. But I know I feel like it's bad that mansions in Rhode Island just makes me think of like Lois's dad on Family Guy and where, <laughs> <laughs> where he lives. I'm like maybe that's where that's supposed to take place. But yeah, that's that's all I got. It's, it's a very little working <laughs> northern eastern knowledge but yeah i know california here we're like we're just kind of bumbling around in terms of, <laughs> in terms of history and lots of different 
architecture of the ages when things just get torn down and replaced or not. We don't have that stuff. We have lots of other great things going for us, but mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. not the one that I would pinpoint. But I know speaking of mansions is that we're going to get into Schitt's Creek, whose pilot features quite the mansion that the IRS is going to take over. So we'll be back in a bit to talk about the shits. Okay, Tracy, it is finally time here on Primetime Party Time. Could you tell us all there is to need to know about the contextual info behind Shit's Creek? Oh, yeah. All right. So Shit's Creek, what kind of show is it? The best show. It's a sitcom. Um, the series creators are Dan Levy and Yuji Levy. This is a father and son project, though notably Dan Levy is and was, I guess, since this show has completed the showrunner. So... The description is a suddenly broke, the formerly filthy rich Rose family is reduced to living in a ramshackle motel in a, they, in a town they once bought as a joke. And that is the official Netflix logline. I think you're also seeing kind of the riches to rags storyline that you might see in a few shows. I'd say like the only other one in recent years I've seen this come up on is say like two broke girls. And that's a little bit more of a, you know, episodic than series long plot lined type of show. So it's a very different take on it. But we are definitely seeing that trend of having some financial aspects start to get woven into TV plot lines and how that becomes, you know, both realistic for viewers, but also adding a different edge to the storylines. And that is definitely true for this family because they had been a lot more disjointed when they were wealthy and when they're all crammed into a motel room it brings them together in both a hilarious and heartwarming way so the cast is eugene levy as johnny rose Catherine o'hara as moira rose dan levy as david rose and annie murphy as alexis rose and a few other like ensemble characters that are definitely worth mentioning because they are integral to most of the episodes is chris elliott as roland shit Emily Hampshire as Stevie Budd, Jennifer Robertson as Jocelyn Shit, Sarah Levy as Twyla Sands. Fun fact is that she is sister of Dan and daughter of Eugene. Um, Dustin Milligan as Ted Mullins and no Noah Ride as Patrick Brewer, which that's also fun for us because <laughs> <That laughs> we know someone with that name. Um, this show aired from 2015 to 2020. The season and episode run is six seasons with 80 episodes. The network was CBC Canada Broadcasting Corporation, but also Pop TV in the U.S. So I think what's and kind of a weird, interesting uh, behind-the-scenes fact, and we will link this out in the show notes, but Vulture did the unlikely rise of Schitt's Creek. And to just kind of note how it, kind of had been originally it definitely is one of those shows that had the netflix bump but it actually was fairly popular in canada immediately so they note that 1.4 million canadian viewers watched the first two episodes making it the top rated comedy the night it premiered and it remained 
ranked as the number one scripted Canadian comedy on primetime television in Canada since it launched in 2015. But I think the main thing they were trying to get is how to expand that audience internationally, particularly to the States. And so that's where they started to get it on to Netflix after two seasons. So it went over there in around January of 2017. And Levy marked that as a game-changing moment because then their season three audience grew by 28%. And then the season four audience jumped another 11%. They also really note, besides these figures, that social media had a very large impact on this show's popularity which is interesting. And I'm sure there'll be kind of a grouping of shows that are launched around this time that will have this sort of metric. And I kind of noticed that as well, because I think just candidly, you knew about this show if you knew about it earlier on and also found yourself on Netflix a lot. This show was definitely suggested to me by a fan of the show. And uh, I would not say self-coined, but I would say Tracy coined Tastemaker Corey. Um, But also, it definitely showed up as one of those shows of you should watch in my in my Netflix algorithm. And once that started showing up for more people, I think was when we kind of started seeing those memes show up and you would start to see kind of like stand up comedians and other people with like larger social followings like post about it a lot. I recall watching like Whitney's Cummings Instagram really like just go after and be like, everyone needs to watch Shit's Creek. And eventually when she launched her podcast, Dan Levy was either the first or one of the first guests on the show. So then that's kind of an extra expansion of this show, which we'll say that's an interview worth looking at if you are a big fan of this show. You definitely learn a little bit more about the ins and outs. And the main thing they like to talk about is similar to the actual integrity of the show is that the show had a pretty small budget. And so you, I would say it gives it even more of a oomph if you like it because they made the most of what they had. And a lot of it is a lot of dedication to great writing because when you do watch it from a TV production point of view, you will notice that there's not a ton of sets. They do a lot of the same areas and that's kind of part of their theme because when you lose everything, you're not going a lot of places. <laughs> you are staying at home and staying in town. Something that I think was probably comfortable and relatable in the past year. So now that we've gotten the big picture summary and some of my definitely slightly biased anecdotes about this show is, Eric, what is your experience with Schitt's Creek? We say this fully loaded, knowing that you are a fellow, you know, lover of the show. Yeah, they have me on this episode for a reason. Um, So (laughs) I, um, you know, kind of like what Tracy is talking about with the Netflix bump. That's how I really got into it. I had a very generic introduction to the show. It was not necessarily on my Netflix recommendations, but the new format of Netflix over the past couple of years, they, you know, plaster something over the huge home screen and one day it was Shit's Creek and I'm like, okay, you know, it's COVID, doing a lot of working from home, same pattern at night. Okay, I got to find something new to watch. 
and then Shit's Creek happens. I'm like, you know, screw it. Fine. I'll I'll try an episode. But it's so addicting. So I kept watching it. Then, you know, watching like six to eight episodes a night and then totally hooked, like right from right from the get go. And then so, yeah, since then, I've you know rewatched the whole thing all the way through. And I mean, everybody around me knows that I love this show. So I got all these Christmas presents that are like all themed as Schitt's Creek. So I have the Schitt's Creek Motel keychain. I have the towels from that have Moira's quotes on it. Maybe things we'll Aww. talk about later in, in the episode. I also have a sweatshirt themed for the general store that the family opens. Also something we may talk about later in the episode. And two mugs. So all Shit's Creek themed. So, yep. I, I guess I'm a fan. <laughs> I guess so. It's an amazing amount like, of memorabilia. That's awesome. I've only endorsed them inside and out. So I guess I would call myself a fan. <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean i never anticipated i would get into a show like this i you know it's it doesn't really fit the genre of things i normally watch but i don't know it's just it's just a great show that is the power of this show because i would say it's exactly like everything i like (laughs) like from the writing to the premise because not that it is very similar at all, because I'd say stylistically and writing very different. But I would say like people who enjoy the kind of realm that is like the Gilmore Girls or like the Twin Peaks, where it's it's like this small town and then there's like something a little bit more going on. And then there's like these quirky characters and senses of humor. Twin Peaks is obviously more in the horror direction and Gilmore Girls is more in the just Amy Sherman Palladino style that's very trademarked. But Schitt's Creek is very, it seemed also like, has a very heartwarming I've used that word already but there is like a hard like sentimental vibe to this show that is not corny and very genuine that I think does bring a lot of people in it's also just hilarious but that part I feel like does kind of keep people hooked and it's you know we have like shows like Breaking Bad that are focused on the anti-hero but then we also have shows like this where everyone starts off kind of like not that great morally (laughs) and it's supposed to be them evolving towards the end and seeing how where they land when kind of the it's kind of the more money more problems type of theme there i think one thing i that did bring me into this show that i think is if you are a fan of a lot of kind of i wouldn't say older but kind of more classic comedy if you like (laughs) also canadian television as a whole is that Catherine o'hara and eugene levy were both in sctv which is like something that sparred from toronto's second city comedy troupe in the 70s so it was very similar to like an snl type vibe so they started off there and then they are in the movie best in show as well where they play a couple that are you know the whole show is a bit of an improv on the westminster dog show and all the kind of eccentric people that come to enter their dog into a show they also are in a lot of other like mockumentary and satire (laughs) films which says a lot about the style of the show because it is quite satirical and you know it's called shit's creek (laughs) that that says it a lot and but i do think that it is 
worth going into. Some standout episodes to really give people a good, you know, if you are have not been one of the millions of people who have tuned into this show, like Daniel, who just started to tune into it very recently. So, and it's never too late to get hooked onto a show. So, Daniel, your initial thoughts, and then we can go into some episodes that really popped out to us. Yeah. Um, well, you know, speaking of episodes, I'll put this as the the initial initial thought. Right. <laughs> Usually, when we plan out like a an early one of our primetime party time episodes, and we're looking at just a show, we'll mull over for a bit. Like, what episodes should we watch? What episodes like really encapsulate the series? Uh, you know, can we get it down to like, you know, just like four really strong episodes across the series that we could we can really dive into the show about? You two named dropped fifteen episodes without even thinking about it. I watched the the series premiere episode two, the drip, which is the one featured as the Netflix preview. Finding David, driving test, milk money, Moira's nudes, dead guy in a motel room, open mic night, singles week, Merry Christmas, Johnny Rose, smoke signals, bachelor party, and the series finale. So uh, I had a lot of fun uh, with, with your guys' curated list um, because it was it was really well done, you, uh, you two. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun to, to watch them get dropped in this world, uh, to, to get a couple of the early on uh, series episodes of them struggling and, and just kind of like the zaniness of the humor, uh, especially with stuff like Finding David, uh, The Driving Test. Uh, Milk Money, especially. Uh, <laughs> uh, Milk Money did stand out, um, not because of the Milk Money plotline, which which was funny, but I absolutely loved Moira's storyline uh, in that episode where uh, David betrays her by fitting out her uh, opponent in the city council race. Um, her scene at the end uh, was hilarious. And every honestly, every single word Moira said in this series was hilarious. So funny. Um, uh, I will say, though, uh, it, as, as the series started to progress, though, and, and we started to get into David and Patrick's relationship uh, is kind of where I saw, oh, wow, like this is this is this is really well paced and, and, and a lot of fun. And, and Opig Might Night kind of broke the series open for me. Um, and then, yeah, it was just kind of like a, a fun race to the finish with everything minus the and, and to, to your credit, something else that worked really well was the whiplash of Alexis and Ted's relationship in the show. Yes. <laughs> that I was always confused about as, as much as any of the characters seemed to be. Um, yeah, I, I would say that uh, out of the ones, uh, obviously, uh, the first episode is is a really great um, way to get introduced to these characters. And, and there's always that sort of well, the, the, the first lines of a character say so much about them. And when they're being stripped of all their assets in their mansion, and it just goes to each, as, as we get introduced to Moira, then uh, Johnny, then then Dan, then Alexis, or Alexis, then Dan, um, it, it's, it's perfect introductions. Um, and then, of course, uh, like I said, uh, Obing Mike Knight uh, was one that especially stood out. Um, the bachelor party was was a really great sort of culmination of, of a lot of characters' growths, uh, because as as Tracy has said, this series is wildly heartwarming, uh, and the finale was was delightful as well, uh, really delightful as well. You know what 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 went into the curation of this here? Yeah, Eric, I'll let you start off. All right, yeah, I mean, just going through all the memories of this show, um, kind of like way. Some, some of the things that Tracy is saying, you know, how the characters evolve throughout the seasons or, you know, 
Daniel talking about every single thing Moira says, it all boils down to really excellent writing of this show. <laughs> I love her it's, perspective of the world. Like the, the way <laughs> so good. Yeah. And, but, so but all these like character facets that you, I don't necessarily get in other TV shows, they actually are very tangible and you see them in these characters. So Moira's character is one example where her character actually evolves throughout the show because she starts developing this persona and accent that isn't really apparent in the first couple seasons. And but throughout the show, it's, you know, a combination of the actors and um, Daniel Levy and some of the writers of, you know, how can we evolve Moira's character into this really pretentious person? (laughs) And so but all those things are really embedded in the writing of the show so that's that's a huge thing i noticed from someone i'm not really in like the media or any of um any film industry type things but that's something i found in this show that really sets it apart for me but while tracy and i were making this list um there's just a lot of very special moments and not all of them are the comedic ones, you know, kind of like yeah. what Daniel was mentioning too. Open mic night was a very special episode for me. You know, I think that one hits home pretty hard for a lot of people um, or it can. So uh, the Merry Christmas episode or Merry Christmas, Johnny Rose, I think what the official title is called, you know, that one hits home pretty hard too, you know, in, in a much different way. Um, so yeah yeah and 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 kind of with two different well they all grow in in all these episodes uh the merry christmas johnny rose one was 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 actually really fun it it was it was a really uh uh reflective episode on eugene levy's like johnny rose character uh and and it was the only time that i had seen uh that actually flashed back to their life beforehand Uh, i was gonna say that one's nice because you know, there is an episode earlier on where they run into a couple that they knew from their past life in the town. And they kind of, when they go out to Elmdale, the kind of nicer side of town for dinner, and they're, you know, making fun of everything and like even kind of go on to like, go, we drove through this town. You won't even, you know, believe what the name was. But then uh, both uh, Jocelyn and... Uh, Oh, Roland and Roland. Thank you. I was like slightly blanking. Uh, should not. Um, but yeah, Jocelyn and Roland are actually there and invited them to double date with them. And it was for their anniversary and stuff. And then that's like an episode where you kind of see them, you know, do a turning point. Cause they'll see the people just like complaining about the food and just being kind of like awful guests at a restaurant for really just no reason. It's just cause they're kind of like, you know, spoiled and, you know, elitist. And then that's where Johnny kind of goes after them and goes, you weren't there for us when we needed friends. And these people, you know, opened up their homes, let us borrow their car. They've been here. Where have you been? And you kind of don't have any place to be, you know, judging anything. So that's one where you see that. And I'd say like the Christmas episode is kind of like that. But like we're saying, like the evolution of the characters, it's like this thing of like they are used to throwing these really large rose Christmas parties that and I think they they offhandedly say, you know, people used to kind of be like, you know, 
thrown the drinks back so fast that they didn't really know, you know, what was going on. They're like, oh, did that happen at this Christmas party or this Christmas party? But, you know, once they have one in town, it's a lot more kind of close knit and they get things from, you know, the general store and they have like, they're scrounging around like all of the ornaments and getting into this, you know, more of like a homemade holiday thing than like this really overly produced event that they used to have that didn't have the kind of heart and spirit that they have now. So I think that's like, that's what's really cool about seeing some of these. And yeah, they do have these episode pop outs that seem to be dedicated to like this character's development is happening here. And I think that's also very true going back to like Moira <laughs> is that like, I mean, it's interesting seeing both the behind the scenes and on screen applications because I know from I think it was an interview she did on the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast is that she like had to argue for more wigs because she was like, this character will be so much funnier if she has more and more wigs because they're like, why do you need more than like three? And she's like, you'll see. And it is. It does add the rest of her children. Like you look at her in each scene and you're just like you know i noticed when they and i think early season one they go to this luau party at the shit's house and (laughs) everyone's just in like you know vacation wear and tourists clothes and then they end up showing up in these like all white suits and then she has this like weird bob wig that kind of looks like the the like Incredibles little lady that makes the costumes (laughs) and it's just like they it adds to everything I mean even when she does kind of the she does like the fruit wine commercial where she has a breakdown in her trailer and it's just like her being this like larger than life like not I wouldn't call her a washed out celebrity but it's like a little bit like that it's the kind of trying to be the comeback queen and then later when she gets the crows have eyes roll And it's both her, like, I think you get this balance of endearing and pretentious because she'll have the thing where she buys, like, the overpriced gown that she doesn't really need because she doesn't know when her quote-unquote red carpet will be. But then you also have the thing where she goes over the script and goes to the director who supposedly had done, like, some blockbusters, but this was supposed to kind of be a toss-away for him. And she's like, I have some notes on the script. And he's like, I'm hoping no one sees this movie. And she was like, well, a lot of people view daytime television that way. And then I became like the best actress in daytime television. She's like, there's something to be said about actually putting in effort every day. And that's one where you're like, wow. Like, <laughs> or it's... or when she talks to C.V. Bud right before yeah. she goes up to Cabaret, which is, I think, the season oh. five finale. I believe so. Do I have that wrong? Yes. Right. I, yeah, I where so, yeah. You know, she she gives kind of you know the the motivational support for Stevie, who is one of those um, side characters, part of the ensemble. Or is it an ensemble? I don't know. Yes. But okay. But yeah, and, where this is a very very you know I just want to be alone reading my magazine. I don't want to talk to anyone. I know I'm living in Shit's Creek. Leave me alone. <laughs> like. <laughs> Not not someone with the greatest ambitions thinks she wants them, but you know it does doesn't work out that way. And then she's given this incredible opportunity, and 
you know, Moira comes out of nowhere and just gives, you know, some of the most heartwarming things that Stevie's ever heard. And the cabaret episode is awesome in a lot of ways. If you like musicals and such, the show is not a musical show, but they do full on just have an acapella women's group that Moira does eventually join. And it's another kind of outlet for her to be a diva in (laughs) for her to be the big fish in this small pond type deal but what you also notice that is that everyone else on the show is extremely talented in terms of vocals and so and it's in almost like a weird way like and that part is fun because like she kind of writes it off as like oh small town vocal group and then later she finds out like wait you guys go to new york for competitions and then she starts to kind of see the glimmer and joins it but the behind the scenes part on the cabaret musical was actually for emily hampshire's character and dan levy says and it's quoted on a article from 2019 on entertainment weekly that's on the you know season five kind of secrets but he said because i knew what stevie was going to do at the end of it and i knew how that song could service the character which is the song maybe this time and it's a in cabaret and both just like lyrically it's about like maybe this time i'll be lucky and it's kind of her like you know looking at her trajectory and being like i'm you know managing the hotel and like is that something i want to do or do i want to go break free and kind of try to like live my dream and apparently this actress in real life has always dreamed of playing the lead in cabaret and so she got to do that on the show and they pretty much wrote it in to be the you know, season five finales, her singing this like really breakout ballad from this song and doing so quite emotionally as well. So that is, this is like a very good example of like the sentimental (laughs) nature of it and how it is very like genuine because it's actually, oh, we're going to take something one of the actresses really wants to do on screen and we're going to write it in there. But it also still has to do with what the character wants as well. So you're getting kind of that blend of like, the visceral emotion that you're getting from the actress being this is something I've always wanted to do and then the character's layer of being like I've also always wanted to be on stage and is this something I'm going to be able to break out of this kind of bubble of this town to do or are there opportunities here for me to do that so yeah that's that's a really good example of a lot of the warm-hearted the warm regards part <laughs> of, <laughs> of Shit's Creek. As, yeah, and I also think, I guess, before we like kind of segue into more, the more comedic elements of the show is that the proposal. Ooh, I think anytime I rewatch that episode, I do not without having a little bit of a happy single tear because it is just like, I think... I haven't really seen an on-screen proposal that is so well-written and believable. And I think, you know, the part of it too is that you're seeing multiple relationship storylines in this episode because this is also further along in the show where, you know, Ted knows that he's supposed to go to the Galapagos Islands for like this research. He's a vet. So this is kind of a dream. And Alexis is similarly kind of also starting to take off in her PR career and so going to you know a remote island that doesn't have much going on it's not exactly a winning combination for her career so she's kind of on that 
kind of where do I go with this relationship and with my life? And on the other hand, like quite oppositely so is like David and Patrick kind of coming to, you know, the culmination of their relationship and, you know, them being in this love. And you kind of see this as the series finale ends of like, a lot of the characters, their biggest goal is to get out of this town. And in the beginning, you know, David just kind of wants to recreate his life in New York all over again as soon as possible. But then as you see the show come to an end, it couldn't be more opposite. And it's kind of like he sees the less is more mentality and not ready as much as everyone else is to quite move on from the town. And that's that's really where you get to like the soul of this show. But I think in the beginning, before you see as many of the characters do these kind of like, you know, large gestures and bigger moments, you're really kind of hooked by the small moments <laughs> and the zingers. And Daniel, I have to ask you, from watching the first few episodes and even the later ones too, were there any moments that stuck with you? So we, we've said the term a couple times now. Uh, the first instance of warmest regards that I remember hearing in the series <laughs> is actually David on his bed looking at his phone, saying it to his parents uh, yes. about the situation that they're in early on. So it's real fun that gets flipped uh, later. Uh, yeah, I would say this is, this is really fun because there is a lot of, as, as the characters start to grow and as it does become more and more sincere, uh, it, yeah, the the, the <laughs> some of some of these some of these moments um uh, okay okay i'm trying to figure out how i want to word this there are two things yes. stylistically that i really want to sort of say about the show that i picked oh, yeah. up on let's do it um the first is one of my favorite things about the show is how it verbalizes the the beats in in the dialogue uh yes. and so every time a character says the subtext with like okay or yeah the, all right then um it, it's particularly rewarding the other thing is that it, and this might be a testament to, to eric binging six to eight episodes a night is these episodes don't always have like traditional sitcom conclusions no they'll just kind of like eric said it before the show they'll just cut um and and so a lot of these like heartwarming moments will actually be the bulk of an episode rather than relegated to sort of like the last act of one uh it, it is rather different pacing-wise than watching something like a Parks yeah. and Rec that, that does sort of give you a lot of fun comedy in the first half of an episode and then kind of like reels you in for a heartwarming moment at the end. The series did not feel like that. Uh, it, but sometimes it did have these really fun button conclusions. I, I recall, and I want to say it's the Merry Christmas Johnny Rose episode, uh, there's this great character moment at the end where... Um, uh, Johnny moves the menorah forward, and he's like, "Ah, oh, don't want to burn down the hotel. It would be awful." And Moira, like, just Moira's like, "Would it though?" Like, just very quietly, and it just ends there. It's just like, "Oh wait, what?" Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, this is just it, it." Everything is in service of 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 these characters, and, and it is really great. Uh, I guess the final like joke uh, that really stuck out to me. Uh, after watching David and Patrick's relationship. Yeah. Uh, especially because David is so closed in. Uh, he's so unwilling to, to trust. And, and Patrick's so... Yes. Uh, open. He's and... open and chill and, 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 you know, just a lot more easygoing overall. Uh, he, he's the one that, if you're happy, I'm happy uh, kind of guy. Uh, 
and it's it's amazing when he very much you know is is uh for for their wedding day gets david the massage um and is very much just like take very good care of david to the massage guy and is very trusting very open (laughs) and so david allows allows you know the the stranger to kind of massage him get him ready for the wedding day uh you know under the trust of patrick and and gets gets his first happy ending of a massage which patrick was not down for uh and is a very fun flip on that to see david all chill and whatnot um and patrick being able to give that to him while not really it, it it's hilarious um very uh, bizarre. Very bizarre, but very fun, odd wedding day kind of moment. I also think it's just hilarious. It's funny because, like, earlier in the show, they do have, like, the whole thing where David is kind of like, oh, yeah, you could go on a date with someone else. It's fine. And then he has, like, the freak out of, like, no, this was a mistake. Because <laughs> Alexis comes back and is like, well, did you set any ground rules or anything? And he's like, no. But then, like, they come back together at the end, and it's super cute where he's like oh no i didn't end up going and and that part is sweet i'd say like there's a couple but i'd say one of the my favorite kind of and it's probably season episode two of season one one of the best parts is early on is moira thinking that her diamond earrings that she kind of smuggled in got stolen and she like blames everyone she's like shrieking in the closet and like you know, looking through everything, then goes to Stevie and is kind of like, if they went missing, I won't say anything. And then she's like, because I, and then she makes some sort of like reference to like people in the parking lot. And then Stevie just kind of very deadpan is like, yeah, uh, well, I have to go take my break. I'm going to go to the pawn shop and maybe hang out with my crack friends. <laughs> And, and then she like it starts to spin out more of control. And then by the time Johnny gets home, it's like that. Oh, yeah, I put those in the shoes in the closet for safekeeping. And it's the, oh, no, <laughs> I've already caused chaos throughout this whole day from this. But her meltdowns early on are great. And even the ones where it's like, oh, no, she Googled herself. Who let her do that? So it, yeah. this... I, I, I love that we're mentioning um, the the earrings because that came up several times in the episodes that I watched as, as sort of a bit where she's freaking out about something, whether it's, you know, uh, David runs away, essentially, at the beginning, at yeah, the end with of the season. Her, with her grandma's, with her, or her mother's bag. With yeah. the bag, so she just wants yes. the bag back. Um, is very it to an Amish it. farm. And John, uh, Johnny, uh, he he believes he knows what bag it is. In this case, he's wrong, but he had a, a sort of safekeeping for that as well. And when she's dismayed that she can't find nudes of her prime on the internet, he's got one in safekeeping in a folder. He's always kind of like one step ahead of like, oh, I've, I've, I have this for, for Moira. Uh, and it, it was fun that that came up several, several times. It's both hilarious and then like, adorable at the same time and i also think it's really funny as in that episode where she's like david you need to do a search for my nudes and he goes like i always thought that (laughs) if i was in this moment it would be at gunpoint (laughs) 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 and you're just like oh my gosh like they they do have so many good quips and then yeah there is no one find nudes of me on the internet (laughs) and then it becomes this thing of like am i not enough of a celebrity for this i think another good moment is when uh she eventually with alexa's pr help does do one of these like it's not like a conference but it's sort of like a uh 
kind of an event for all these daytime celebrities where they get autographs and stuff and she is at first is kind of like oh this is so beneath me all this thing and alexis is like oh, you're gonna make a lot of money just like doing it. and she runs into another star and they kind of she kind of goes like yeah like i can sign someone's foot and charge them like x amount of money and then i get to do whatever projects i want and i'm not so like on the you know waiting for a callback as much as you know you would be beforehand so there's there's and also oh when they go to buy their car and she pretends to be a character from her old show and then they start to bring the price down because they're like oh you heard what happened to you guys and it's so bad and then she doesn't want to have the stigma of like oh we're you know needing help so then they bring the price up <laughs> and so there's just like all these moments where she's having like these kind of crises but yeah johnny is kind of there as the like you know the straight guy in a lot of the you know skits where it's like and it's interesting because if you've seen him in other roles as an actor he's usually the opposite but like he is kind of the neutral person in a lot of scenes though i do think he's neutral but also has his own cadence that's really funny like he has when they're relaunching the motel he keeps using the same verbiage that alexis taught him a week ago it's like you gotta get really get the rollout ready if you don't get this soap here in time it's gonna affect the rollout and then she's like i mentioned the rollout once last week. <laughs> and they have they are really good about phrasing and repetition in their writing so i feel like that is something where yeah, even like these like little moments, like the breakdowns, but that are not as verbal per se in their repetition. But then they do have a lot of these things like, and I think the most iconically is the Ew David. And that is one that just is like on and on and on and on. And it it doesn't get old. <laughs> yeah, no, Amy Murphy did fantastic. Oh, yeah, like she's with amazing. Be, the whole brother sister rivalry between those two Andy Murphy did a fantastic job with yeah. that however if I had to add two comedic moments yes one is definitely when Moira walks in on David well she didn't really walk in on David he was you know fixing up the room after you know having some fun with Jake the <laughs> The guy who sleeps around with everyone in town. <laughs> and according to David, he is nobody's ex and everybody's ex. <laughs> but she walks in trying to find like a planner or something. And he's freaking out because Jake's in the bathroom. Jake comes out and then Johnny Rose walks in the room. And then Alexis walks back and it's the you really have to watch that scene multiple times to, in my opinion, to see how funny it really was because there's so much nonverbal acting going on between all of them too. Um, and stop acting like a disgruntled pelican is infamous again, <laughs> in my part. opinion, but yeah. And then another one, of course, with Moira, um, when she's trying to pass along her mother's recipe, to David Rose, trying to make, I think it was an, just enchiladas. enchiladas. Yeah, and trying to, yeah, instruct him on how to, not instruct him on how to fold in the cheese. He doesn't get it because it's David Rose. 
And she doesn't get it because she's never actually made it. And she's trying to pull off some sort of facade that she actually knows what she's doing. And I mean, David, he's definitely like his mother's son in the show. Yes. Um, they're very much alike. Alexis is not really a daddy's girl. I don't think she. Mm. <laughs> no, she, she kind of does her own thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they kind of make that known because she's always the one mm-hmm. where there's like, you know, she was like jet setting and getting herself into trouble and kind of just being the like stereotypical like youngest child that's like kind of like going against the grain of the family. Because David seems like he always kind of he had a closer relationship at least with Moira the whole time, and then with. You know, Alexis, they have that lunch where she's like, you know, Moira prepares questions because <laughs> she's, she's just like, I have to have lunch with my daughter. And that's that one is also funny because then, you know, later on, you'd see very, you know, organically that it's no longer as much of this like struggle for them to hang out. But yeah, earlier on, you're definitely just like, OK, they're both going to sit here and like overthink all of everything and needing these like you know outlandish details <laughs> I was gonna but, say, oh, go. oh you go Dan oh I was just gonna say uh, a big a big part of I think uh, the, this is seen in that driving test episode yes. um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of major moments there uh, especially with one Alexis confronting David about overthinking everything and two, David blowing up on her about how, as as she roamed the world, her parents weren't the ones checking in, you know, wondering if she was safe. It was always David. Uh, yeah. and, and you can tell, you can tell in some of these early episodes that it's very much not common ground for, uh, there, there's a moment that, that I think of in Moira's nudes where it's, it's right after the milk money thing where she really messes up and, and buys too much of the unpasteurized milk. Uh, and, and uh, Johnny's out of money and, and, she's the first one in the family that he, he confides that in. Uh, and, and it's very much not like, a, oh, this is a regular, you know, occurrence where we're really close. It, it's just so much, you know, it's, you, you do, you, you, see, you see that relationship um, develop. And, and like I said, driving test is, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's one that kind of proves that point. Yeah, oh, but yeah. The character development for Alexis throughout the six <sighs> seasons is like, I mean, she skyrockets from where it's she fantastic. was in season one. And on well, season one and season two, I mean, it's really like season, the first three seasons, really, where Alexis is just being Alexis. In season five, though, when she was auditioning for Cabaret, it does kind of come back with a little bit Alexis. You know, she, mm. she created her own song. So there. So Stevie got the heartwarming you know, thing in the show, but she had to compete with Alexis and her. Uh, what was the inspiration for that? It was like a mix between Britney Spears and Paris Hilton doing yes. some kind of drunk 30 second dance. <laughs> yes, it's so funny. And but. I also think that one is what's nice about the a little bit Alexis moment, other than it just being this hilarious kind of earworm kind of song is that you are seeing that like the soul of her character lives on and it's just more like she's maturing to, Mm -hmm. you know, care more about other people and not have as much of a like kind of, even though you learn that she never really is as vain or as vapid as she kind of puts on 
a face for. It's like she's she loses that facade, but she still has like the fun kind of party girl nature. That part doesn't like go away. It's just more she's being more authentic in the rest of her life. And that that part is fun. It's just like that she still always loves, you know, dressing up more than she needs to. And, you know, she works in public relations. That's a lot of like event planning and setting things up, but she's also quite good at it. So there's there's that part where she kind of figures out how to channel her strengths. And, you know, she goes to like her community college classes and finishes getting her high school GED and all of these things. And I'd say like another kind of like gut wrenching one is the episode where her and Ted go to dinner where they know that they're like going to go their separate ways. And that one was tough. I remember watching it being like, "Mm." it's like one where you kind of see the foreshadowing of like, I don't know how they'll fully make this work out really. But then they also said, I think in the, they had these things at the end of the episodes that kind of like broke down the makings of. And I remember them saying like, that was kind of her last on-screen moment with him and filming day with him. So some of those emotions also are real. And I think from whoever, and I'm sure (laughs) is planning these like lineups to be like, this is a really emotional moment for your character. It's also a really emotional moment for you so that you're capturing that essence on camera is like very smart and strategic and it shows in the heart of the show. But yeah, Alexis is definitely one where from the beginning to the end, you're just like, so much has happened. And I mean, we love the kind of like flip-flopping of the relationships. Like when Mutt gets her a bike and she doesn't know how to ride a bike, you're just like, this is hilarious. <laughs> so- <laughs> oh yeah, he got you a helmet. <laughs> so it pops up if you watch the show. <laughs> I will say, uh, so I didn't actually get to see the end of their relationship, but with this sort of messed up, uh, this is a viewing order that I imposed on myself as I actually watched Merry Christmas, Johnny Rose before single weeks, which is the episode just before. Uh, and Merry Christmas, Johnny Rose is very much, a it, it, it kind of goes back to Ted and, and, and Alexis, not, yeah. uh, not really working out as, as well, especially because of how skeptical his friends are of their on again, off again relationship. Oh yeah. But and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. It surprised me pleasantly as, as we get to, and we'll get to the episode after this, but watching Singles Week after that and seeing the moment where Ted and, and, and David talk and Ted ends up at the Singles Week uh, musical chairs event. Mixer. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That was like a really great heartfelt kind of like a wow moment, you know? It's really emotional, uh, nice moment. And then to kind of like see that that doesn't actually pan out um that you end up at that dinner and then she uses all of these past experiences to in my opinion become the most you know the memorable part of the bachelor party episode and and get them out solve the escape room yeah escape from galapagos from the life in the galapagos uh using just like her various you know what would what were always referred to as vain experiences um to kind of lead that charge out of there and and yeah end up end up uh, uh, away from that i like i said pleasantly surprised um seeing as singles week was, was the last episode i saw them together and it's like oh wow what a moment. Now it's, it's a very realistic trajectory because you're looking at them kind of like growing 
together but then also realizing like to truly grow we're gonna have to be apart yeah and you kind of see that and go like you don't know that it's fully the end for them but it's at least the end for now right and it's kind of the like it's both open-ended and not because you're kind of like it does seem pretty final in yeah. this moment but- but was then was it the best choice? Well, that's what's amazing I, I about think, it. I think a lot that of it's so question. heartwarming. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it could they have made it work? Maybe, but that's what's so organic about these characters. That's actually yeah. as as we're having this conversation, this is like really what's like ticking to me about this show is like the characters are they it all feels so organic. It doesn't feel like writings like no. dragging these characters along. It, it's true. Like, Alexis made a choice, and we can talk all day about what that choice means, but it, it's 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 like a, it's a choice backed by these actions, backed by this history. Uh, that's so and cool remember, that that's a question. remember, there's comedic undertones under almost everything, yeah. except for <laughs> the really, really big moments. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember that. It, it is a comedy. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, it ends in a marriage. It has to be. But um, that's... That's that's so fun. That's I love that. Yeah, they really jerk you around on that one, but it's true. You are kind of like, well, I mean, and then the other thing is like because they've flip-flopped so much, you're like, this is a really tender moment, but like they also could easily, you know, if they were ever in a like 5 years from now revisitation episode, which I don't think they would ever do. But if they did, it wouldn't be that surprising to be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. made it work. Right. So I think it's it's like this weird thing of being like so emotional, but then also you're a little detached because you're like, but is it the end? Mm. But yeah, I think, you know, Alexis too is pretty good about, I think it's interesting. She has this like surface level persona, but then when she goes to retake some of her high school classes and then she says, talks about the like, she corrects the teacher on the Marie Antoinette history. <laughs> And and then you're getting this thing of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, she gets it in this really kind of like socialite way. But she's also like, but also like it's factually accurate. And you're starting to see like, you know, as much as maybe she has a certain front, like she is also extremely witty and smart. So, yeah, like and a lot of the I think when she sets up the bunny webcam that ends up. <laughs> get end up ends up being a little bit of a peep show for Ted. <laughs> That's another one where you're just like she she's doing like all this social media promotion, but it's also it's also hilarious in that how it ends up being cuz there's this like crosstown vet rivalry <laughs> oh with the God. with the competitor vet. So, yeah, they she has a lot of the comedic moments and then she does also have a lot of the lot of the growth moments a lot of where she's involved is where you're kind of yeah like with the driving test you're getting the backstory with david and then you know with mom you get kind of also their their history and yeah it does kind of seem like her and her and johnny kind of have this similar like business calculation brain and that's kind of where they're together but then they couldn't execute it more differently (laughs) so like yeah. yeah but but yeah the the other roses don't um there isn't as much character development with the other ones which isn't bad no in my opinion it's just like the, just characters going throughout um the series 
I mean, Moira and Johnny, you can make the argument that they did have some character development. I think Johnny yeah. was always way more accepting of living in Shit's Creek than yeah. everybody yeah. else. Um, even though he was the one that got his family, you know, to the wealth and fame that it had. Yeah. Moira definitely, you know, had to warm up to a few parts of it. But then when, once she realized she didn't get out, she was gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then... David was hilarious yeah. to see him getting used to Shit's Creek. He, I mean, his character was kind of a douche yeah. for <laughs> a while. And then, yeah, he, he's the one that stays. Yeah. Well, you do see him put down roots fairly early on because he has this, uh, he works for like the Blouse Barn which is this supposed mm -hmm. to be similar to kind of like a Burlington coat factory <laughs> type oh. store or like a, yeah, like kind of like not as trendy as say like a TJ Maxx would be. It's kind of like a step <laughs> below, no offense, but like that's kind of where it's supposed to be. And then like they have this thing where a store in like Australia has been using their name without copyright. And so he's able to, he uses Alexis as a pretend lawyer and they, you know, make a case and win a chunk of change for the blast barn owner who then cuts him a check and he buys the general store. And that's how he meets Patrick because Patrick is his like loan officer slash like kind of like business business partner originally. Uh -huh. So he's the one kind of like managing that whole process for him. And then they start just kind of like, you know, hanging out together more at the store. And I think that part is just funny because I mean, it is a store that is very much him. Like it sells all this kind of like unnecessary, you know, eclectic, like locally sourced items. Like that are sold at way too expensive yeah. prices. <laughs> it, it's very much him being like, this is like the clientele, like I would be. So I'm making the store of that. But then in a weird way, it kind of works. It's that thing of him being like, you know, putting it out there and then the town is actually quite accepting of it and in turn he kind of is like this is a nice home for me because before it's you can kind of tell from a lot of the backstories he never had as much of a sense of community with right. and you know they even mentioned like you know where are your friends that when everything kind of you know went under the table for them and they weren't really anywhere to be found, but he's kind of made himself this new home. And once it was kind of like he could buy a house and like kind of put down and settle down in, in the town, he didn't have a problem with that. Whereas the uh, other, well, a little bit. kind of did when everyone was like thinking about leaving. Mara's getting her show. That's and true. Alexis just, you know, already cut it off with Ted and wants to go do public relations. That's, I mean, David was planning on going to New York. He's like, I'll just expand Rose Apothecary. Yeah, it's, it is, a, it is more of a choice. It wasn't as much of the like, ah, oh, this is great. It's, you are correct. It's more of a, I wouldn't say if it's a compromise, but it's, I think, more of a, after a lot of thought. It's the, this is where we should be for now type thing and not necessarily the immediate departure that the rest of the family had. Right. And you, you also kind of see it because him and Stevie are so close as well that you're like, 
Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you really going to like leave her behind? But then it also seems like she should be doing things. So you do kind of wonder like how long would they actually stay? I think that's the, when you finish the show, that is your, at least for me, that was one of my main questions of like, I don't know if they're going to be there long term or if that's just kind of like where they rest their hat and they eventually go somewhere else and really do do all those things that they're talking about. Like it's kind of you don't get the idea that that he's fully putting on the brakes and being like, let's start a family and settle down here. It is a little bit more of the like, well, this is really nice. And he falls in love with the house that they find. And I feel like that is more of the thing that is the you know, that sense of home and is mm-hmm. a more the kind of pull that he has there. But you do kind of, yeah, you do kind of think like, where would they end up later? I could but, see that. Because yeah. he's like, he's really the first character that that is able to get the town to open up to him. From, from what I saw, like, though Stevie's relationship later on is a lot with Johnny and their business, yeah, uh, the first person that she really opens up to in the family is is David, and yeah. David is the first one to really have. Uh, I, I just distinctly remember this this point where nobody's really got anything going on; they're all just kind of at their lowest points. And and David rolls up with with a car that his you know uh, employers have have given to him, and he's kind of the one that's actually finding a, a footing in in the town. Yeah. So it seems like he can grow to a point in the town that yeah, perhaps perhaps that you know he'll he'll feel like he's at a point where he wants to take on somewhere somewhere else in in, in the world and, but yeah and and perhaps I, I i didn't really quite get to where patrick would want but um yeah that's that's interesting it's cool i know they yeah the writing is very good because you it's are really both cool. feel like it has been tied up but then it's also not so finite no so you do feel like there is a little wiggle room to have it go kind of like where you would want it to go or in another direction. And that's like, you do kind of wonder how Moira and like Johnny would do in LA. Like that in itself just would be a hilarious spinoff. Yeah. (laughs) Is you just, I don't know. I think it would be great. It's like that thing of like it being, if they were just like ended up being this weird shows collide and ended up, you know, running into Larry David on curb and being oh. like, these people are here to film this show. And just, I was just be like, this would be like my match made in TV heaven. But like at the same time, yeah. Thinking of her being in the industry land is you just are like, Oh, yeah. I, I don't even need it to be made to just know that would be funny. And, you know, even with, Alexis going off and doing PR you do also see that as as like her going off and probably making interestingly enough like yeah it's like that thing where she makes a lot of good choices but for every good choice she also does usually do something a little reckless and that's where you're like "Mm, yeah I'd like to see that as well in almost that like Kim Cattrall Sex in the City type PR character like you're like you could see this but in a much more quirky like package and you know scaled back in a lot of ways but then in other ways kind of like within that same universe so yeah that's the ending of these characters it leaves you with leaves you with moments but i do also think uh i don't know they have 
it's interesting that they both have the small moments and the big moments and all of the comedy in between. That that does seem to be like there isn't a wasted minute. No. no in I these did, episodes. I did not see one. In the 15 you guys gave me to watch. Um not a lot of fluff. <laughs> but Eric, do you have any final thoughts on Shit's Creek? Final thoughts? Um I mean, if I were to recommend anyone to watch it, um, I think we have a phenomenal list of episodes to start from. But yeah. in order to appreciate them, you really got to start from episode one. Yeah. Yes. Um, because the characters definitely grow on you. And it some things will mean a lot more when you see the full story. I, yeah, full disclaimer, totally agree with you. I will say you two did an amazing job curating a, like an abridged Shit's Creek for me but there were there were inevitable times where I'm like oh this is a show that like you definitely especially if someone else mm-hmm. would come in the room and it's like eh, this is okay like this is fun it's like no you need to sit down watch the especially with you know the, the just the pacing of the show like uh, watch watch from the beginning um yeah and and watch it all the way through and 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 get and get this full picture but yeah absolutely um, yeah. But yeah, no, because then you will fully understand like how the um, how the show shifts from the comedic side to very heartwarming side in open mic night. You know, there a lot of things change in the show after after that episode, um, and rightfully so if you were to watch the episode. And then all the things with Singles Week, and when Ted actually asks david for advice and that's like i think it's the only time they actually truly interact in the show where it's just those two Um, yeah that was an interesting moment a a lot of those moments are really you know four or five seasons in the making i'm I'm trying to think primarily of things with patrick um because he was definitely a very interesting um component to add to the story he's very different than any other character i think yeah there's i mean who i mean mutt was his own <laughs> green piece leave me alone kind of guy i mean so he he doesn't i mean he he's an oddball who in a way kind of fits into like shit's creek culture um but i'm trying to think of moments with patrick but it's like really a lot of his moments are the highlights of the show yeah. Like, because he he didn't know he was gay until he met David Rose. Really? Yeah. Oh. And you don't realize that until the proposal. Yeah. Which and is at the end of season five. Oh, yeah. The parents come to town. Yeah, that is. I mean, <laughs> for. Sorry. You know, he, he did very well, you know, acting yeah. out those things that a lot of kids go through. Yeah, Daniel. Well, background. I mean, he's an adult. A lot of adults go through too. Yeah, background on those. There's like two episodes that I think are pretty crucial with Patrick. One of them is like they have this uh, family barbecue that they invite him to, and it's mm-hmm. because Patrick sends David this like really big cookie, which is kind of corny. That's like happy like three month anniversary or something like that, and you know everyone's like oh my gosh, this is your longest relationship ever. He has to come to the family barbecue, and um. In that episode, they you randomly meet this like Alexis meets this girl in the motel, and then she ends up 
being his like ex-girlfriend slash kind of like ex-fiance i want to say um but it was you know he broke things off with her they totally weren't together but they kind of like were back on and off a lot and she never really knew why he ended things somewhat abruptly and it was very much the like i just don't know something just doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. with her and then it ended up being the once he met david he's like this is the first relationship I've been in that feels correct. Kind of like I feel at home in this and, you know, being my like authentic self. So that's also, it's both hilarious and sweet. It's this mix of being like, he gets to this barbecue and is like, you know, they have that almost like, you know, Jerry, Jerry moment where like, you know, the ex-girlfriend comes into the mix and everyone's like, Patrick, what are you doing here? Because Alexis ends up to be like, oh, you're sad because of your ex-boyfriend. I'll invite you to my family barbecue. And then it's like chaos ensues. <laughs> and then they eventually work things out. And then later, there's like a surprise birthday for Patrick. And so uh, David invites his parents, not really thinking about that. Because he's like, oh, I assume, I assume they know. And then Patrick was kind of like really worried and couldn't find the time. And then it's Johnny who ends up accidentally spilling the beans because they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, David is uh, Patrick's partner. And they're like, yeah, they're so good together. And they're like, oh, we thought he was just business partners. But you find out later that the parents are more just like, we're sad you didn't want to tell us. And it's a really like sweet story. It's not one where mm -hmm. like, you know, and a few of the characters come down on them first. Like, if you're going to say anything, whatever, like, then you should not be here. And it's like, not exactly. It's couldn't be farther off from where they're at. They're more just like, why wouldn't you feel comfortable talking to us? Mm. And right. so it shows like this kind of like, I feel like this show did a good job of making a lot of those moments not seem like they were manufactured. So it's a lot of like, this is some, like you said, Eric, like these are the things that people go through, but also it's not always like, the dramatically bad or the traumatically great experience some of it is like more the oh yeah like well that's fine but like hmm why wouldn't you want to talk to me about it like is the reaction instead of it just being right like, you know the big cheer or like the big you know kind of like rejection it's it's more like of the in-between of being like we're happy for you but we're also like thinking about ourselves <laughs> a little bit yeah. in that kind of like parental selfish way of like but like why doesn't my kid want to talk to me about everything and like they're kind of thinking about their side of things instead of kind of like his side of things so and and some people would take that one way or another but like Patrick being kind of like his good nature character is more just like I'm so happy that my parents are happy and it's he doesn't really seem to mind their reaction so much and but it's also, I think, pretty common. Like someone would spill the beans. Well, and testament on accident. Testament to this show. It, it doesn't sound like you guys are talking about characters. It sounds like you guys are talking about people. Like when when you said like, oh, this is you know mm -hmm. what Patrick goes through, and this is what his parents are like. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's Patrick. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm delighted. I'm not surprised. Like, you know, but but in a in a way where I feel like I know Patrick, you know. Yeah, and the one one other moment that's very touching, you know, kind of, you know, going back to what Daniel's saying, like they really feel like people, um, because going into the the birthday dinner, which 
was turned out to be a date. Um, David Rose didn't know. I mean, Stevie told him because she oh, showed yeah. up. Because he's like, well, I mean, no one else is going to go. I'm just going to invite Stevie. And of course she goes. But then while Patrick's in the bathroom, you know, Stevie's like, hey, if there's anything sentimental in here, he's on a date with you right now. And it was. It was their first receipt from the store. Uh, and, I mean, you see the see the look in Stevie where, oh, I am... I need to leave like this is <laughs> like it, it but it was a very like emotional you yeah. know like oh th- this is something really special for david and you know it there's especially with patrick i think there's a lot of great moments in the show but yeah like what daniel daniel here not daniel lee i'm <laughs> um, talking about i mean they they really feel like people even though we will totally share our must see episodes of Shit's Creek. We do highly encourage you to just binge the whole series as I have not so subtly done to Daniel throughout <laughs> our podcast trajectory. <laughs> uh, do you know something else that I just I do just want to call out um oh, yeah. just with this that that you will get a better experience when 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 you watch the show front to back. Uh Loki, I loved watching the town sort of like more like become more the roses you know like the set designs just become more the roses as the series went on i think with open mic night like as soon as you get to that store you're kind of like oh whoa like this is this is crazy like this is this is the roses are now putting an imprint on the town and especially with the unveiling of the rosebud motel and whatnot um but yeah it's true they 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 lead and especially with the last shot of the show uh they 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 leave their mark on 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 the town (laughs) yes Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it is cool to see them integrated into the community in more ways than one and yeah hopefully not always living with the billboard that you see from the beginning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is also also one of the better better comedic moments no that's his sister <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh, well, so much gotta to watch said. it to get it. Gotta, gotta watch, watch it. it to get it. That's our that's our little hook for y'all. But yeah, Shit's Creek. Get into it if you're not already. And that's uh, Shit's Creek. And that's the, the for uh, this week's primetime party time. Thank you for joining us. This show could not have been made without the following amazing people. We're talking our artwork was done by Fen. You can find her at Fen Lante on Instagram. Our theme song was done by Jay Wright. Find him at jwrightmusic.com. Website done. And thanks to Coco. Our production manager is BMAC. Tonight, we uh, we had a guest star. Eric, thank you so much for coming on. This is great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. You're welcome on. Yeah. Anytime, dude. Uh, yeah. Anytime. It's cool to get like a real fan of uh, of uh, the show that we we're we we're speaking to, and um, you can find uh, other episodes of Prime Time Party Time on Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. If you want to rant, roast, or rave with us like Eric did tonight, uh, you can hit us up by sending us an email at info at ptptshow.com via our voicemail or chat box on the ptptshow.com homepage. And catch the next time, uh, next Prime Time Party Time uh, next Monday night, live at 9 p.m. Pacific here on ptptshow.com. Oh, we made it. We 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 made it fade.
did a lot of processing in the last hour of what this show was. A totally different uh, kind of just like view of it now. It's interesting. Learned a lot talking That's to great. you too and, and watching the show this week. This is great. Yes. 